Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ethan Rogers. Ethan is a staff software engineer and also a speaker at Armory. He's going to be talking at the upcoming Spinnaker Summit 2019 in San Diego. Now, Ethan's going to be talking about making Spinnaker your own. That's his talk. And then he's also going to be on a panel about the state of Kubernetes v2 provider plus improved rollout strategies for deploying Kubernetes using Spinnaker. So let's, uh, let's get started. Ethan, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here um, well, and, uh, and get to talk about Spinnaker. Absolutely. Great topic. I know you're passionate about it, so fantastic to have you. Would you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, what kind of work that you do, and a little bit about Armory, the company that you work for? Yeah, so um, like Mitch said, my name is Ethan Rogers. I'm a staff software engineer at Armory. Um, I've been actually working on the Spinnaker project for about the last three years. Um, I've been at Armory for a year and a half, and then a year and a half before that, I was working for my previous company um, where we were, you know, I was part of a team for delivery and, and uh, developer experience. Um, and, you know, we were using Kubernetes for this new project we were working on um, and looking for a way to deploy and got involved in Spinnaker super early on. So um, I've, I've kind of been a part of the community um, ever since then, and it's been a really great experience so far. Yeah, so that is actually kind of how I found how I found Armory. Um, closer to the end of my time at my last job, I met the founders, uh, Drodio, Ben, and Isaac, um, and they, you know, had just uh, within probably six to nine months started Armory, um, and we we kind of hit it off. Um, I have a really had a really good relationship with the founders, and it was kind of a, an opportunity to to go keep working on Spinnaker full time, uh, which is something I was interested in. So Armory, just a little bit about us, um, we're bringing Spinnaker to the enterprise. Um, so what we're doing is taking open source Spinnaker um, and, you know, on top of offering stuff like support and um, training, we also offer uh, layers on top of open, so open source Spinnaker, uh, various different, different extensions and features that make it uh, more um, aligned with what the enterprise is looking for today. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, that explains, I know there's uh, yourself, but there's also some other folks that are speaking at the conference. Now, your topic, you, you, you gave a nice introduction about how you got involved with Spinnaker. How long ago was that when you started using it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was about three years ago, um, kind of before the, the, like right when the first version of the Kubernetes provider landed. At the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think at the time, I didn't realize how early we were. Uh, it kind of explains a lot of the PRs I had to submit when I first got involved. I'll bet. I'll bet. Do you, do you write any code, submit any code, or are you primarily on the usage end of Spinnaker? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a developer by training. I got my degree in computer science um, and transitioned pretty early on in my career into the ops side of things. Um, so I, I'm pretty fluent in both. I actually do write a lot of code. Um, these days a lot less be- just because of the role I'm in, um, at Armory, I do a lot more, uh, like higher level stuff like mentoring, but I still try to get a few PRs submitted every week, um, lead a couple of initiatives, uh, in the Kubernetes provider itself. So Excellent. do a little bit of everything. Well, I won't ask you which is the dark side ops or development. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> DevOps. It's all together now, right? Okay. Yep. Yep. 
So uh, let's jump into what you're going to be talking about. And of course, we're not going to cover it all here, but I know that you're focusing on kind of how open source, you usually don't just use it out of the box if you want to use that term. I know it's free mm -hmm. and downloaded, but um, that you have to do some customizations to kind of get it working in your environment. And we're talking about Spinnaker here. What, what's your experience working with customers? What's their expectation when they start to use Spinnaker and what do you have to kind of help them get started with? Yeah. So the interesting thing about, about Spinnaker open source is that it's actually like a, like a very small part of what Spinnaker is at Netflix. Um, for anyone listening who, who doesn't know, like Spinnaker was a project that was born out of Netflix. They built it. Um, it was the uh, next, next iteration in deployment technology uh, from a project called Asgard. And mm -hmm. one of the driving principles of Spinnaker was making an extendable. Um, and the primary reason for that was because Netflix has a lot of kind of internal um, workflows and, and things that they like to, that make their development experience better that don't necessarily apply to the broader community. And so when you start using open source Spinnaker kind of out of the box, there are a lot of things that I think most companies want, right? The same reason that Netflix has those the things that don't apply to the community, but work for them, every other company has something like that. So when I was at my previous company, we had this workflow around our Docker images where we would, um, uh, we would add labels to our Docker images. And then we wanted those labels to show up in the Kubernetes manifest where those images were uh, deployed. So um, that was something that wasn't available in Spinnaker out of the box, but we were able to use some of the extension uh, methods to actually go grab that information and inject that stuff, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the the basis of the of the talk I'm giving around RunJob. Okay, great. Well, let's let's explain that then, because I know you're going to be talking about RunJob and about um, webhook stages. What is RunJob? What is webhook? Sure. Yeah. So, um, just to kind of at a high level, RunJob and webhook are are ways that you can extend Spinnaker to kind of make it to do the things that it doesn't do out of the box that you need it to. Mm -hmm. um, there are more complicated ways uh, to extend Spinnaker than involve actually taking the code and, and writing Java code. Uh, but I, we found that the majority of, of users or operators, I should probably say, are not super familiar with Java. So that's a pretty, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's fraught with friction, oh, I would say. It's a whole say. other ball of wax, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So the, the, the run job stage and the webhook stage give kind of a, a lower friction way of extending Spinnaker. So the webhook stage um, is a stage within Spinnaker that lets you call out to some API. Um, there's the, you know, I select it as a, as a stage in my pipeline via dropdown and I configure it there. There's also um, what we call pre-configured webhooks or custom webhooks that allow you to actually configure this as part of Spinnaker's configuration. And then it shows up like it's a native stage. Mm -hmm. So under the hood, it's still calling out to APIs. It's as if you configured it in line, but it shows up and to the end user actually looks like it's part of Spinnaker itself. Very nice. Um, so what are so, some of the most common uses of that to extend you know, integrations into other things? Is it internal? third-party tools, internal custom software people have built? Is there, you know, a, typically use, a typical use cases for this? Um, I think that we it usually end up seeing people uh, integrating more with, like, internal systems than, you know, say, uh, hosted services like GitHub or, or other mm -hmm. 
I don't know, GitHub's probably the easiest example. New Relic is another one um, that we see. But I, I think where, in most cases, Spinnaker has integrations for the, the public stuff out of the box. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if the tool is internal to your, your company, you don't have that. So that is usually where we see it. So I think there was uh, one company that I had talked to that was they had this internal integration testing suite or or load testing suite that they wanted to call out to and they used the webhook stage to to make that call and, and kick off those tests mm-hmm. great great now i understand you can do a lot of this without writing code is that correct yep yeah so what does that entail what kind of a what's the configuration process look like to tie let, let's use that example that you gave of someone that wrote their own test framework of some kind uh, that they want to call out to in a, in a webhook stage yeah so I, I guess I guess I should probably back up and, and clarify my answer a little bit. So okay. at, at some level, you will need to write code. The question is whether or not you actually have to write that into Spinnaker itself. Uh, oh, okay. One of the, like, I guess we can call it native uh, extensions, which is essentially using Spinnaker as a library and writing Java and, and doing some like spring magic to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the if you were to use like a webhook or a um, or a run job, uh, you know, a run job stage for that matter, um, you would have to write a little code. But you the the benefit of that, if it's a webhook, the service whatever service that you're trying to connect to um, can be written in whatever language that you want, right? So if it's Go, if it's Python, if it's Ruby, if it's you know whatever you want to do, the service is running and the API is the contract that you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the webhook stage, all you're doing is making a call. You know, you could argue that, you know, writing a, a curl command is, is writing code, but I think a lot of people are familiar enough with that, that it's a pretty low overhead. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can make a call in your terminal, you can make the call from, from Spinnaker uh, with the webhook stage. The run job stage is actually a little more interesting because what it allows you to do is that is, is run a container as if it were, um, a script that you might be running. So a really common pattern for uh, doing custom logic in, in CI systems uh, specifically is I have a container, the container has all my dependencies and it has a script that I need to run. And we just run it like a one shot, you know, once this script finishes, if it fails, the pipeline fails, if it if it succeeds, the pipeline continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then like the world is really open. The world is your, your oyster at that point because you can write, write the script in whatever you are most comfortable writing. And then you can run that within Spinnaker. Um, one of the more interesting things that we did with the run job stage is that you can actually output, um, you can output these like special markers in your logs and Spinnaker will go grab those and inject them back into the pipeline so that you can use them in downstream stages. So maybe your job is is going off and collecting some information for you. You can actually use that in, like, say, your deploy stages or a, or a downstream run job stage or webhook stage uh, as, like, arguments you pass in. So almost use, like, the log as, like, an asynchronous message bus <laughs> to make it more complicated than it is, but a super simple yeah. version of that. Some downstage yeah, version could look at what happened before it and yeah. take appropriate action. Yeah, and that's and that's really, you know, we we heard the motivation kind of behind that feature is we heard a lot of users like, you know, they want to be able to extend Spinnaker, but they don't want to write Java code, you know, and 
containers for the run job stage specifically containers are obviously super prolific in our industry today. Um, I've, I've built my career off of Kubernetes and containers. So, mm-hmm. um, it, containers are kind of like the perfect medium for being able to like to do this because you can contain everything that you need. <laughs> you can, you can contain <laughs> everything that you need, uh, in this container. And then, because Spinnaker can run containers in Kubernetes, it's kind of like a natural fit, right? Mm-hmm. We, can, we can kind of take advantage of the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter what your code is. The, the, uh, the interface that we need is, is a container and then the logs, and we can, we can get all of that information out. I'm curious, this is totally a side question, but sure. uh, did you learn anything in, in college around, about containers and, and that kind of thing in software architectures, or is this something that you really started in after you graduated? Um, I wish I had learned something in college about this. So I actually, I graduated college in 2013 um, and got my start writing PHP and doing mm-hmm. a lot more software development. But I, in the back of my head, I'd always been like, I am very interested in servers. Mm-hmm. So writing the writing the code was interesting to me, but it always seemed like the people with all the all the power and like all the really people that I looked up to, <laughs> they were the guys like in a shell deploying software, checking like you know is this server overloaded? Um, it was very much not DevOps, but it was something that really interested me. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I you know I kind of I spent probably three years as a software developer without having done that. Um, but once I transitioned kind of into the CI CD, um, space that really gave me an opportunity to focus more on, on ops, um, while doing some development. And I, you know, we picked up Kubernetes at my last job and that's where it all kind of kicked off. So I think we started on Kubernetes 1.4 and that's really where I learned everything I know about containers and, you know, orchestration platforms and stuff like that. Well, it puts you in a really great position because you can speak to both sides, both audiences, if you will, you know, developers yeah. and operations folks. And, you know, my experience is before kind of containers and all of this, all the DevOps environment, some of the best developers were engineers who really knew how to write code, but they knew the full stack down to the operating system and the network, right? They kind of knew it enough of all of it. Maybe they were really good at parts of it too, besides writing code. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Uh, I don't know, power, if you will, and understanding that, that full stack and how it works. Yeah, I've found that the more you understand about the stack, the better positioned you are to take advantage of it, right? And to, to actually write better code. Um, you can go back and probably look at the birth of DevOps and, and see this, but the engineers that spend the majority of their time writing code and then throwing it over the wall are more likely to write um, less performant code, right? Code mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. not aware. You know, we want to write really abstract code, but at some level you have to be aware of what type of environment you're running in. So if you're running on a machine that has 128 cores and, you know, t- hundreds of gigs of RAM, it doesn't really matter how inefficient your algorithm is because it's going to run fast. Um, you know, it all depends on scale. But um, I've found that engineers that understand kind of, the cloud and the environments they're running in and what the actual, like, you know, where your net network boundaries and like, what are your actual constraints are writing better code. They're shipping more frequently. They're, you know, iterating, like I said, they're iterating more quickly. Um, and like all of that is, 
is super important. Um, and I think the other thing that I've found is that it's all, it's a growing process, right? Um, mm. I kind of, I kind of like to look at it as, um, well, at, at least in my personal experience, I found that I have a hard time grasping kind of the next level of, of what I'm doing until I've like fully understood the previous level. And I think that's really true for a lot of people, right? Until you've got a solid grasp of programming, it's kind of hard for you to imagine what it would be like to, to understand ops, right? To understand how your program is actually running on servers. Um, yeah, I would describe it as kind of context. It helps to know when you understand the environment of what you're operating in and what you're doing, what you're building is going to operate in and yep. vice versa, right? If you're in operations or the security now with uh, DevSecOps understanding you know, how software is being built. So it's, it's the great thing about the accessibility of resources around the cloud and contemporary mm -hmm. software architectures and all of that. So, well, yep. we're, we're running out of time. I wish we had more time to invest in this, but the great thing is that you have your talk coming up. So that's yeah. where you're really going to get into more details about that. And Ethan, I thank you for being on the podcast. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Ethan Rogers, staff software engineer and also a speaker uh, from Armory. He's going to be speak, speaking at Spinnaker Summit 2019, which is on November 15th through the 19th in San Diego. Now, he has a topic that we're just talking about, making Spinnaker your own. That's on Saturday, November 16th, 345. He's also on the panel about the state of Kubernetes V2 provider. Uh, that is on Friday, the day before, the 15th at 2.30. So thanks to you, all of our listeners, for joining us for this episode. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you've listened to another DevOps Chat podcast. Be careful out there.